0: you can't mess me up when i count doc you know i only have so many fingers and toes that's just rude
1: you know it's not when i keep it in the single digits it's not my fault
0: you just distracted me that's all all right hey all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans it is time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the blasters and blades podcast just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies a place where magic is king the sky is the limit And Space is the Place, the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. Well, mostly that's Seska. But uh, without further ado, we're going to let Mr. Michael Falciani. I should have asked you that in the beginning, but I forgot. Uh, Can you introduce yourself and tell us how to pronounce your name?
2: Okay, yes, I'm Michael Falciani. Very close. Very good. Um, I'm a fantasy author. I have written two books. The first one is The Raven and the Crow, Dark Storm Rising. And my second one just came out. It's hot off the presses. The Grey Ooh. Throne also comes from um the Raven and the Crow series. It should be a six book series. So Ooh, that's wow, me.
1: that's a lot of books. So is it an well, epic well, fantasy?
2: Oh, it's epic. It's an epic fantasy, yes.
0: <laughs> so I mean it's yes, it's epic, but it's also an epic fantasy, yes. So, I hear from a lot of fantasy authors, oh, it's going to be this nice six book arc. And then a couple books later, it's going to be this amazing nine book arc. And then you get Brandon Sanderson, where he's like on book one million and two. So, uh, best laid (laughs) plans of Mice and Men, as they say.
1: But you know what? As long as it's actually still story and it's not filled with fluff, like there's still really good content making the series, I'm okay with that as a
0: reader. Like, that's what I want. There are some authors who I worry they might uh, succumb to life uh, before they finish the series, and I'm like, no. Yes, I but must Michael looks like and- a young stud; he'll be fine.
2: I'm not that young, but I, you know, the stud. I'll, I'll keep that. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. It's extremely kind of you to say. Oh, uh, you haven't I mean, been
1: to a con. Most authors are very old. No, I'm going to get hurt next time I
3: go. I'm around. actually
2: going to my first con. I have a lot of firsts going on right now. Which con? So it's not my first <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm going to Liberty Con and then I'm going to go to the uh, Imogen uh, imagine one in, in Kentucky in Louisville. I'm actually up for an award. I couldn't believe it when my publisher Sweet. told me. Best audio book. So like,
0: congratulations.
1: I will be so, seeing you at so Liberty Con. So
0: I cannot wait. Liberty cannot. Con, it should be fun. I hear there's lots of veterans there. I don't do peopling um, but you know for people that do now is this your first con ever or just your first con as a published author?
2: It's my first kind ever. <laughs> so I'm going to be... What you- my, my, my publisher, yeah, my Ravens kid. Publishing, William has already told me, he's like, we have people that just want to mess you up. I was like, all right, well, we'll see. I can't wait, I guess. We'll see how it goes. No, no,
1: no. There, there's like some, there's some good, there's a book called Pros and Cons by Jody Lanine and Bill Fawcett. It is a fabulous read. It's an easy read too. And it's not a very long book. If you're new to going to conventions, that's well worth picking up and reading. Um, Liberty Con is a great con to go as your first one, though, in in some ways, because it is a small con where a lot of people have been going for a very long time, do not be intimidated by the fact that it's, it's not like high school because everybody's way nicer than they were in high school. Um, But a lot of people do Mm -hmm. know each other, so you're going to have a lot of introductions. You're going to be very overwhelmed. Use the name badges
2: i'll put my big boy pants on i'll take care of it don't worry
1: my biggest my number one tip would be always realize if you're not in your hotel room you're on stage potentially meeting somebody that might be important you never know
2: okay well said i've been informed thank you
0: Hmm. so yeah doc you're gonna be okay You're, you're nerding out a little bit i can i can tell uh, So maybe they got to give him the con with like the bumper bowling like effect on the side, so he's okay. You, you think Liberty Con's going to be that? Uh, you know what? My very first con was Dragon Con, so he'll be way better. <laughs> There's only like a hundred people or so that go to that one, right? Sure. <laughs> Even I know Dragon Con. I got to find a new joke. Cons.
1: Jr. doesn't math very well because of all the brain damage the infantry put him through.
0: Yes, but the first few times I said that, you should have seen her face get all discombobulated. It was gloriously hilarious. Like, it doesn't work anymore, so I have to find something else. Give me a couple of weeks, and I'll figure it out. You well, know, that's I got because I realized
1: way. that you really don't understand numbers.
0: I can do math just fine. I take my shoes off, and I can count to 20.
1: Why, why are you looking at really? me like that? I, 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 I'm just surprised you have all your toes still
0: uh i mean well you know we don't want to gross people out this is a family friendly, friendly show so we'll just move on let's we'll get into
1: trends.
0: how we first well, hold found. On. okay i was gonna ask that question but uh Fine. i'll answer it since it's since it's easiest doc is bossy and said be here so that's how i found him
1: i found him because hillbilly his publisher reached out to him and said Email them. This is the email. And like a brave man he did because it is always nerve wracking reaching out to people that you've never met. Even when you have met them, it can be nerve wracking.
2: So oh, was I supposed to be more nervous?
0: I mean Well, it's I not mean, really some me people either.
1: are. I'm no, used I'm to JR. Cool. He Jr doesn't show his face to anybody because he's afraid of well, the reaction.
2: He's yeah. my money maker. I gotta like, show this broken. as much as possible.
0: I mean, I, I've broken a few webcams. It just got to the point where, like, the maker of the webcams, like, look, we'll just give you a full refund, but please stop. So, you know, it's it just a thing. But, you know, we go. I don't so believe actually, that If, for you, a if you remember, if you remember, dear listener, his, uh, his publisher is none other than William Joseph Roberts, who was episode 139. So yes. you have, you have uh, seen him on camera live, so to speak. Now, Doc, this is the most important question. We get to determine whether he gets to stick around. You gotta ask you him to Stick
1: religion. around. There
0: we go. So I'm ready. Is this after like insider privilege because you like William?
1: What? No. Is this just because
0: you like Hillbilly?
1: No. Cause he was Army med. Duh.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that works. All right, keep going.
1: <laughs> so um, but the religion question is what JR is getting sort of at. Uh, which is Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly?
0: Oh, this is
2: it's Firefly. There's no question in my mind. I mean, Star Wars and Star Trek, they're, they're fine. They're good. I enjoy them. But how can you ignore the shiniest place in the verse? It's not possible. It's not possible. Joss Whedon did a great job writing that. The characters are phenomenal. Anara, is Oh my God. Captain Reynolds. Come on. Come on. Oh, yeah. That is by far. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Brown coat forever. I I love the other two, but Firefly, hands down, end of discussion. You can't take this guy from me. Please bring it on. I'm fine with it. There you go. Firefly. Boom. You
0: you can't take this guy from me. I get it. I used to have that as a banner, some of the lines from the intro song, but Mm Doc deleted it and called me a nerd.
2: I did not call you a nerd.
0: She's one of those... She's one of those weird trekkies, so, you know, there's no hope for her. There's nothing wrong with Star Trek. I, I am truly tw- enjoy the Star Trek. You cannot geek really shame
1: like me, JR.
2: <laughs> you cannot. I will is loudly that
1: proclaim that Henry Cavill is the Emperor of Mankind. You cannot geek shame me.
2: Henry Cavill. Yeah, he's he's alright. He's pretty easy on the eyes, I think.
1: He, it, it, it's not even it's not even just his looks. It's that he plays Warhammer.
2: That is true. I did see and that. Was, that was pretty
0: awesome. And he made
1: actually a pretty good mini. Oh,
0: there's no question. He did reach out, I... but he never answered me. us. So
1: it's fine. I'll still let him I'm be sure my emperor.
0: I tried that for you.
1: I'll still let him be my emperor. He can ignore me, but I'll still let him be my emperor. So <laughs> that just sounded wrong. Oh, so, wait, wait. so
0: we're gonna save this and we're gonna we're gonna keep that Warhammer thing. So are you a, a Warhammer fan?
2: So, you know, I, I played, um, I, I didn't play the, the role top playing game. I, it's, it's nothing to do with not wanting to. I, I just didn't have the time. And, you know, I, I was in a lot of sports. I was doing a lot of things. So my time was limited. Um, having said that, I did play Warhammer Online, The Age of Reckoning. Ooh! I absolutely, I mean, I know it's a defunct game now. I think they have something that's uh, Return of Reckoning. Some of these uh, independents have kind of brought it back. So you can still play that. But um, I, I, so I do have some um, idea and I was so inspired by it that uh, my next novel is actually not part of my Raven and Crow series. It's actually a dwarven steampunk novel called Omens. uh, I'm sorry. It's called the dwarves of Rom: Omens of War. And it takes place with dwarves are the main characters. And then they have the, I believe I call them the sallow skins where you have goblins and orcs and ogres and trolls and. What an absolutely fun thing to write. Not just the dwarves who were fantastic, but writing, you know, as a goblin shaman. I mean, a troll seer. I mean, I just i just said, I'm going to do whatever I want. People, in my opinion, and of course I could be wrong about this, but my opinion is dwarves are always put into two categories. They're either comic relief or they're this the dour, nasty, I'm grumpy all the time. And I said, you know, those are great, but what about, you know, what about the fun-loving dwar- I mean, my main character is a dwarven bard. And he is a... I mean, I don't know what to say. The guy's a player. No, <laughs> so I
1: think... I, I love fun. that I've seen some more people willing to do the dwarves as characters. Yeah. Um, Davis ashura he, d- he took a really neat spin on his dwarves where they were actually really more artsy and spiritual. Right, and right. Um. Um and then uh, Mark Edelheit did a Dwarven trilogy, and which was a coming of age Dwarven style. So, I mean, I think it's great because honestly, as much as I do love elves and humans are okay. I, 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 I've i known a lot of humans, I, but, um, you know, it's just neat to see some of the different kind of styles of characters coming out and the different races, too.
2: Yeah, it was it was a ton of fun, and you know I didn't stick with any did we tried and true stuff.
0: I no, I'm I'm listening.
2: Came up with classes of my own, you know, dwarven bards and
0: I, I think I, engineers, I, think things I like that. Sorry, Jr. Trolls, so I can't talk because no, I said I think I dated some of those trolls, so I can't talk about it because you know NDAs were signed. It's just it got ugly.
1: That's okay. Come on, I mean, Jr. That's kind of funny in
0: my head, and he was like, "Wait, yeah, I believe that, Doc. You're supposed <laughs> to laugh, all right." I need a laugh emoji so that way, like, you know when we're talking when you're <laughs> supposed to laugh. Like maybe a clap char or whatever like they have on TV. We'll, we'll, I don't we'll know. figure it out I'm the next i on the
2: inside. There we go. So, <laughs> on to fantasy
1: because we're definitely here for the fantasy hour. How about it? Lord of the Rings, The Wheel of Time, or Game of Thrones?
2: Yeah, you know, I have to go. I I probably wouldn't pick any of those if I didn't have to. Um, Okay, so what would you pick? Oh, I I would pick, you know, my favorite author is David Gemmell. And his regarding series, to me, is, you know, second to none. Now, of course, you know, Game of Thrones, I really like the show. I'm not going to tell you I hated the book. But to me, I need characters I can relate to. Except for Arya, I didn't really like any of the characters. And I'm sure you've read the book. But you remember Jon Snow? He wasn't very friendly in the beginning. He was kind of a jerk. And you know, the head Stark, Ned Stark. I was like, Are you this clueless? They're gonna betray. Well, what did you think was going I mean, get a clue, dude. I, I don't know what to say. So, and, and Lord of the Rings, of course, is the grandfather of them all. I, 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 I'm not gonna say anything negative about it. It's, it's a great show. Um, no, it's but a, you it's can a great read. Just- you
1: can just not jive with it though, too. That's totally. I I have read Lord of the Rings and while it is great and it was wonderful to see, you know, it is definitely a font of where current modern fantasy has come from. Yes. It was not what I, <laughs> it is not the fantasy that I crave.
2: Right. Well, especially as we get, you know, a, a bit older and we see more and we experience more like, you know, that was great when I was young and I enjoyed it, but. And you know, Wheel of Time, ugh, I really loved it the first four, five, six books. And then for some <laughs> reason, <laughs> I don't understand. Robert Jordan said, You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a lot, but not have anything actually happen. And I felt like going, Why? Why? Wait, what is
0: that? That's what to I call
1: my the main characters. That's what I call the fluff writing.
2: Yeah, I'm not interested in doing that. And you know, and don't get me wrong, Robert Jordan's brilliant. He's he's great. He has a great series. I, I have nothing but respect for him as, as a writer and an author. I just felt like he got a little off track. I sat there going, "Why? Why do I care about this character? There's like eight million of them." So, to me, and then, you know what? I think it, for me, it was a lesson learned when I wrote my my series. I try to stay focused on the main people, and it doesn't mean secondary characters can't come in because they they feed into everything. But I try to. Stick with what what I want to and what's the main story. Because I, I kind of learned that from Jordan. I was like, I don't want to go too far afield.
1: I like what um, Faith Hunter and several more current authors have done with their secondary characters. Rather than let them steal the show and make the, or steal the series, they've just done spun-off series. And they've gone, you know what? This character is so neat. I get it. I want to write more of it too. Oh, look. New series.
0: Yeah, right. And I, I really not?
1: like that because it gives everybody, both the author and the reader, the best of everything.
2: Well said. That's all good advice as
0: well. So well, JRn. So if you're if you're taking notes, you can scribble that down. Publishing advice from Doc Saska. Con extraordinaire. <laughs> the knower of all things fandom.
1: No, I am not. However, somebody recently tried to convince me I should get a master's in publishing.
2: Is that a thing? I didn't know you could do. It that. is a
1: thing. I just but I looked at them and I went, "I want to run my own publishing house. So what would I do with it?"
2: Publish, I guess. <laughs> Publish no. stuff. I don't know. You just. I don't know. So
1: uh jr we are going to now ask him what his first memory of engaging in speculative fiction is is it watching playing pretending you know what you're doing i don't know for me it was probably pretending i knew what
0: i was doing (laughs) yeah that's a good one we're gonna take my my first
2: my first foray into the fantasy fiction world was actually my my father actually bought my older brother, you know, the very first basic set of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, wow. And, oh. and you know, my brother was like, yeah, this is cool. And I was like, can I take a look at that? <laughs> and as I started reading through <laughs> it, I was like, this is really fun, man. There's, do you, have you ever heard of dwarves? What is a gnome? I'm looking at it, I mean. Kenders, what was your favorite species? Well, Kenders, you know, that was a dragonlance. My favorite species, God. I mean, they, you know, I, I actually dabble a bit. I hadn't played Dungeons and Dragons in forever. And they have all these new things now. I was like, what is that? Um, I would say I was pretty excited about you know being a half elf. I was like, oh, you get the you get the, the strength of the human, but the elven side as well. Um, and you know, I mean, how can you not fall in love with dragons? Come on, I mean. My, one of my first adventures a Red Dragon torched everybody but me, and I was like, I, I have to fight this thing by myself. So it was pretty terrifying, <laughs> especially because I somehow prevailed. I don't really remember how because it was 30-some-odd years ago. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was my first foray into fantasy land, if you will.
0: Don't worry about it. We'll edit out the years. We'll be like, that was – Oh, I don't, I don't worry about it.
2: I'm, I don't okay. care. That so, but- <laughs> that's not bother me.
0: Can we, now that we're all parents here, can we take a moment and just feel the pain your father must have felt when he spent all that money to buy the books for your brother? And he's like, yeah, it's cool and all, but thanks, but no thanks. Because I've done that a few times as my oldest.
1: It's less about the money and it's more about the time in, in spending trying to find the right thing.
0: Yes, I bought, because my son, we went to a game shop, and they had Warhammer, and they were playing it. He's like, I want to play this, Daddy. So I spent the <clears throat> money, and I bought the starter kit of Warhammer 40K. Uh, and then he realized there was math involved, and he's like, nope, I'm done. And I'm like, kid, I can't return this.
3: <laughs> well, he might enjoy Luckily, it later I it to a
0: friend. Uh, no, he 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 moved on. It's cool, but I I gave it away to a to a military buddy. But it was just like, ooh, that hurts. Now I'm like, we're gonna go in super cheap, and then if you like it, we'll talk.
1: <laughs> I can't say anything since I have two Warhammer armies downstairs.
0: Nice. Well, if I had no dwarves it, it, in the green skins,
1: I have um, I Sisters of Battle, which is the 40k, and I have Wood Elves, which is a fantasy version.
0: Can you can you mix the two together uh, in the if you've got one army or a different army can like the two game systems collide? No, the fantasy Warhammer no. and the no the other one? No. no
1: no no
0: no. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think do the do Wood Elves
2: so. are going to shoot their sticks at the laser gun. Well, wielding the thing whatever. is,
1: like Warhammer Fantasy is built more on classical military strategies. Wood Elves are are more of a skirmisher than most of the units in there, but you're talking more like Roman Legion tactics, whereas Warhammer 40k is more, it's not really a skirmish, but the movement is more of a skirmish style movement. You don't have as many movement trays that you have to work on. So no, JR, you can't. He just likes to see if I'll, I'll lose my brain one day because he says something stupid.
0: I mean, I don't think it's stupid. I'm just inquiring minds want to know. I've never seen more here. Because JR I, is at a loss my, for words, we're going experience. to continue
1: on with what is it that you love oh, about you just, speculative fiction as a genre? Um,
2: yeah, I, I I mean, I think it's just the the building of the worlds and seeing how they interact the characters interact. And you know I, I was on with um my, my publisher and our narrator, Joshua Saxon, is brilliant. He's so talented. And one, one of the, I think one of the compliments that he, he had given me was when he talked about my book. Um, he said, you know, this could be an espionage novel. And the magic in the background just, you know, is thrown in because it's a fantasy novel. But it's so well written. You just, you just believe everything that you read. And, you know, when magic does come in or these fantastical creatures go, do come in. It's just, you're like, hey, of course that's what's there. That, that fits the world. He's, he's made this incredible, you know, place. And it, to me, that was kind of the big thing. I really enjoyed that. It was really nice of him to say. But I, I like creating. I like making these fantastic worlds. And I love populating with these characters. And, you know, all, all those little details, you know, the names of the coins, the types of coins, the short, you know, uh, vernacular for the coins, how the nobles might say it, how the street people might say it. All of that stuff at, builds to that world, as, as I'm sure you know. But that, that's something I really enjoy.
0: So do you see yourself playing in any of the other – I mean, you, right now, obviously, we're here to talk about your epic fantasy, which we'll, we'll get to in a few minutes. But do you see yourself ever playing in the other sort of sub-genre categories that Doc doesn't like to think about of fantasy, like the urban fantasy mixed, the, the fantastical, and the modern?
2: Oh, yeah, there's no question. Um, I was lucky enough to get into um, – or an anthology, which was, uh, it came from the trailer park and that's yeah, an no. urban horror fantasy. And I, I had never written anything like that. And my publisher said, hey, man, you want to put in write. a story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when I started writing, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something different. I'm going to write my main character is going to be a 44 year old woman from the South. And that's going to be the point of view that I'm going to type. And write about. And so I just went. And I said, all right, this is going to be fun. And I gave her such an attitude, and she was snarky. It was, she was absolutely so much fun to write. So, yes, I, I do uh, plan on dipping my toe into the other genres. Yes.
0: Okay. I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. Thanks. I might know some of those snarky southern women from the trailer park. <laughs>
1: you know what? Your mother is beautifully
0: snarky. She is, but she likes you more, so she's off my island. So we'll move on.
1: That's okay, because she owns the ocean.
0: Uh, you're quoting her, and I'm gonna get no end of crap from her for docu fired. You know what? I'm docking your pay. Let's move on. Okay. I,
2: I can I can step away if you guys need to hash something out.
1: No, no, no. This is just how JR and I show uh,
0: Okay.
1: The army broke us. This is how we show affection or actually just tolerance for each other.
0: Some of our normal army greetings are not family-friendly, so we have to edit ourselves accordingly. Like, hey, F-Face is probably not what, what uh, Anchor FM wants on shows that they put ads on.
1: For so. any children, it means fish face.
0: Fish face, oh, absolutely. That's what it I means. had to
1: explain it to my my nine-year-old that it means fish face.
0: Okay. So we're going to stick with that one and move right along, Doc.
1: It is the fantasy hour. So, on to what about... How did your love of the genre transition into your writing in it?
2: I think that I, it's actually my disgust for some of the books that I read. I was like, <laughs> I, I remember, I remember, I felt like there was a rule. I was like, if I buy a book, I have to finish the book. And I remember getting through it. I don't want to say the series, I'm not gonna say the author, nothing like that. But I got halfway through, I was like, this is just terrible. I How did this get published? And I remember I was only like 13 or 14 years old. And I sat there and said, I I feel like I could write a better story than this. Now, as a 13 or 14 year old, I could not write a story that was better than that. But you knew you
1: had the potential.
2: Well, I certainly wanted to. I don't know if I had the potential. I mean, to me, people ask me, you know, how long does it take to write a book? You can write a book quickly. The real question is, how long does it take to write a good book? And I'm hoping mine are good, but, you know, it, it takes a long time. So yeah, when when I started reading some books I didn't care for, I I finally said I think I was 22 or 23 years old. I said I'm gonna start my own. It was just gonna be a story. It wasn't even wasn't anything. I was like eh, I'm gonna start writing. And 25 years later, you know, after you know decades of working on it, I I finally got to the point where I was like I'm ready to send this to a publisher. And you know, luckily three things came along and they I I, I remember. He, they told me, well, we'll hear from you. You'll hear from us in maybe 10 months. I said, okay, well, I guess. I think it was like four days later I heard from Scott. And I was like, I thought you said 10 months, <laughs> you know? And he, you know, he was great. He, he, he called me. We spoke on the phone. He was absolutely fantastic. So I was, I'm glad I got it in and I, I'm glad I went for it. So yeah, but that's how I started. It wasn't, I mean, there was a lot of things I loved about so many authors, that I would love to put in, you know, that kind of thing into my book. But reading stuff I didn't like, i said, man, I could do better than this. I'm going to do better. I, I want to do better. I want to write a story that I would want to read. And that's really what happened with, with my series.
0: Okay. So let's just hope you're not a special snowflake then. And there are other people that want to read what you like to read Thank or would you. like to right. read, I should say. So, all right. So many authors will let their own real life experiences influence the stories they tell. So were there any specific formidable moments that shape you as a storyteller?
2: Oh, all the time, all the time. I mean, whether it was something I experienced when I was in the military, um, even a certain way, someone might have addressed me at some time, whether if I liked it, I might add that as, oh, you know, here's something good. Here's a compliment. Or many times people that are not very nice to me, I'll sit there and say, oh, okay, I'm going to write a character similar to that person. So yeah, I, I get influenced all them the time. In
0: horrible ways.
2: I mean, I mean, sometimes, but we'll see. I don't want to say too much about it. But yeah, there's. I mean, there's always an influence, you know. And, and I'm, I'm a teacher in real life, so I get all kinds of, you know, students asking me questions and the way they answer things and things that I see that they deal with. You I'm like, you know, some of this I can use, some of it I can't. But, but just not being afraid to do things throughout my life. I mean, so when what I went do you to school, teach? Well, I currently th- am the PE teacher at our school. Before that, I taught fifth grade for many, many years—18 uh, years or so. Wow! I'm just finishing my 23rd year in the in the school district. So, but right now, I am living the dream. Like, you guys want to play kickball? Let's go play kickball all day. It's the best. It's
0: so, do you the make best. them do like square dancing? Like I remember my elementary school PE teachers did. That was horrific, by the way. No, don't. Do I that. don't.
2: I don't make them do. I mean, I pretty could. But no, we, we do other things. And square dancing, nothing wrong with square dancing, is fine. But, you know, I'm working on If you know,
0: want to read his books and you like square dancing, things? he still loves you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really the Doc, square dancing had,
0: type. I don't think we've ever had anyone uh, quite so diplomatic on the show before. Dancing,
1: but um, it wasn't fifth grade. It's a little older than that,
0: JR? Just I don't remember.
2: Know? It all so, blurs together,
0: but I just I, – I, can we take a moment and bask in the fact that we've never had anyone on the show quite as diplomatic as Michael here? What are you talking about? I am Joe Switzerland.
2: I am not taking sides on anything.
1: Sometimes that is <laughs> diplomatic.
0: Absolutely. So, so you <laughs> I just want to get invited back, at. so
2: I don't want to get yelled at.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned hey. that you were in the Army. So we ask all of our authors that are veterans this question, but how do you feel like your time as a soldier affects the stories you tell?
2: Well, I mean, you know, so many fantasy things um, uh, have to do with military and, and ranks and and the way people uh, are portrayed in those ways. It's really nice to have a uh, some knowledge of that, some background. And, you know, I mean, just in my steampunk novel with the dwarves, I have an engineer who one of their weapons is a rifle. And I remember all that training I got on how to shoot the rifle. And all that stuff comes in comes into play, you know, the way to... Throw the throw the grenade and what the different grenades do. I mean, what there's is, quite a bit from my military background that is helpful when I'm writing these things. And the funny stuff
0: happens too.
1: Throwing the grenade was like the best part.
2: That was fun. That was a cool.
0: Or that was you cool. you get the idiots who drop the drop the grenade and throw the pin instead. That's always pleasant. We did um, have
2: someone like so, that. They used to draw stuff on their helmets, right? <laughs> But they messed yeah. up. Like the people that stared at the grenade, they would draw these big eyes. I was like, why are you looking? They told you a million times not to look. Yeah,
0: so, no. Um, it's so much fun. You, you mentioned using some of what you did in the Army uh, into your fantasy uh, fantasy novel. So what exactly did you do in the Army?
2: Oh, I was a, I mean, I had. I actually did two MOSs. One, the first one I did was a medical lab technician. You want somebody to study urine? I'm your guy. You want someone to take a look at your fecal matter. Look no further. Drawing blood. I can do that. Our our old model was stick and move. That's what we did, Lab Tech. 92 Bravo, that's right. And after I moved to Nevada, I don't find this funny at all. I don't know what you're laughing about. Um, After I moved to Nevada, I went to 92 Alpha, I think, which was supply, which was perfectly fine too, but they didn't have any medical lab technician spots here. I would have had driven all, you know, to California. And I didn't really want to do that. So, so, but I will always be a laugh. I do not blame that you. That was my thing. Nope.
1: Nope. I, I am the- laughing because I remember when we did the shot training in AIT. Yeah. And that was yeah. so much fun.
2: Yeah. There are some people we didn't want drawing blood. We're like, can we be, he's going to lop off my arm. I don't really, that's not the kind of blood we're drawing here. Yeah, we had we had a few dangerous people like that, but you know, we got yeah.
0: through it eventually. I, I uh took the combat lifesaver course. We jokingly called it the lick 'em and stick 'em because you gotta wipe them with the uh the alcohol wipe and then just give them the saline. It's pretty much all we did. And Doc is <laughs> laughing because I tell her the level the minimal level of training they gave us when I was in to do that. I got out of the army as she was going in. And uh I was bad enough at the whole needle thing that they're like, just stick with putting holes in people and let us fix them. So so they did not ever let me carry the CLS bag after that. I, I mean I got it on my my 214. It says I did the course, but yeah, I I, I was never allowed to take the eight bag.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's America's army, so, the most powerful army in the world, right?
0: That,
1: right. Some people um, are uh, but, not but, meant to be around sharp pointy things.
0: And I was perfectly okay with that. I only went cuz the command made me, but so you talked about, you know, how the the military effects, the way you tell stories. Do you ever draw specifically from people you knew while you were serving while you write?
2: Yes. Usually the drill sergeants. Because they were such characters. They, they were great just, on
1: your mind. Yes,
2: they are embedded in there. And you know, I mean, we used to we used to have this one little, you know, he's a Puerto Rican guy, and he was God, he was fine. He yelled more than all the other ones. And he was not big. But he would come up to us, he'd be like, Hey, you what are you doing here? I'm like, dude, why are you yelling at me? I remember one day I went to show him a <laughs> rifle, which I didn't get a chance to clean. And he says to me, son, I'll be surprised if that doesn't blow up in your face. And I started cracking. I am like, oh well, yes, Rosarnik. We'll and I just took off. I mean, these guys were <laughs> Yes, they make, they make an impression on me. They are definitely part of my show, if you will.
1: I will admit this, I think, the hardest part is when you discover you have a fear reaction to laugh and you're in basic training.
2: I actually was not afraid wow. of him at that time. There were other times when he scared me. But that time I was laughing because I was like, I'm going to get in trouble and I knew it. But whatever. There's nothing I can do about it. But okay. I know what you mean. My favorite.
0: My favorite was a drill sergeant who said, You privates, all you want to do is eat, sleep, shit, and use up all my goddamn toilet paper. And he said it just like that. I never forgot that <laughs> one. I, I don't remember anything else about the man, they, but he t- and I've used that line on my kids a few times. So they leave Oh no, no, like it's yeah,
1: indelible. I, I find yeah. I have been known to walk out of a out of a parenting situation to go, I'm starting to sound too like my drill sergeants. Which it doesn't help that my drill surgeons, all of them, were from the south, which means my accent gets even thicker. And when I'm yeah. like, "Oh, oh, I got, Gulf I got Gulf you, you boo, boo, I got you," and then so, I started counting. Uh, I was, I was uh, smoking my kid yesterday, and I started counting like my drill surgeons And I'm like, I'm not sure. I
0: feel okay with this. So, so we don't get CPS called uh, for parenting lessons on why you don't smoke your kids. Uh, and she means uh, physically, not like with with narcotics or drugs or anything like that. You no, know, I,
1: I made him do ten push-ups. Ten? Female.
0: That's nothing. You're...
1: Okay, I made him and You're, his two friends do ten push-ups, and um, and some of them I don't think have ever seen push-ups hmm.
0: before. So the PE teacher sitting next to you is saying those are rookie numbers, and you need to get them up. But uh, so, I, Michael, I did didn't you, say anything. I'm just saying.
2: That's not that many.
0: I, I'm just saying we can read body language. But so does your time in the <laughs> army affect the way you engage with content as a reader? We've talked about how it affects the way you tell the stories. But thinking about when you engage with things as just a fan of the content, does your time in the army change how you how you read things or watch the shows?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. Um, I'll go ahead and look at a show. And I'm like, that's, that's not the way it's done. His... His insignia is on the wrong side. What What is going on? Who is in charge? Yeah, I I I will sit there and and critique it when I don't. I try not to do that, but sometimes I'm just sitting there going, "Who, who, who put this together? What's your first general order? You don't know. You don't know. You don't even know what a general order is." So, so yeah, it's a, it does affect me, especially when I'm reading. You know, and then yeah. it, on the other when side, thinking, there's. There's people that write stuff. I'm like, "Wow, this dude, this person knows what they're talking about. This is excellent."
0: Yeah. So what the when I was younger, I was absolutely convinced that the, they got the uniforms wrong on purpose so the government didn't get mad at them cuz it's not a they're not like impersonating, but now looking at it like having been in the industry that creates creative content, I know they just didn't have a freaking clue. <laughs> yeah. Cuz you know, you in theory you can't impersonate military personnel. So I'm like, "Oh, they had to get it wrong." But but now we know better. And Doc is rolling her eyes at me and trying to hide it. It's okay, Doc. You're going to be okay. Ask him the fandom questions. These are your favorite questions.
1: They are some of my absolute favorite questions. Right behind JR. when was the last time you slept? No, I'm kidding. So, um, one second. Have you had any cool fan art of any of your work or cosplay yet?
2: So I have not had any fan art. I did have a young lady who was so excited about um, my first book that she actually made me a T-shirt with the emblem on it. And she said to me, awesome. and I was I was very excited. I was like, I, I, I wear that thing all the time. Now, I will say that the art that you see, I'm going to hold up my book for just a moment. The art that you see here, I actually, oh, sorry, there we go. Yeah, the art that you see in this book and the second book. This artwork was actually done by the students at our local high school. I contacted the the graphic arts teacher there, and she's just a wonderful woman. And um, uh, William, my publisher and I, or Scott William, whatever you want to call him by his pen name. He and I went and we zoomed in because this was during the pandemic. And we spoke to them about the book, and we had 40 or 50 kids enter a contest and the winners signed a contract with three Ravens and so the, the the person who came in first got the cover and the second place person did uh, the logo which I will show right there the logo art
1: oh wow and then
2: an, another student this year did the uh, I'll put I'll put it back up another student this year did the cover of the other book that's the logo
0: that is awesome mm-hmm. yeah so it was a really for great too.
2: No, it was a great – I was so impressed with the talent that the kids had. But it was – the no, What I liked amazing. best about it Yeah, was that they got a chance to be published. I mean, every time this book goes out there, I mean, I've sent these to England, to Australia, to New Zealand. Those kids' work is, is all over the world. And it's, you know, they're given their recommendation – or they're, they're, um, they're given their credit in, inside the book. So it was a win-win for everyone. Even the kids that didn't win, I think it was really cool that they got that experience. And of course, there's the yeah. teacher in me.
1: So, no, but I think that's really awesome because they get the the chance to, uh, to learn that there if they want to go into art, particularly commercial art, where you're making money by transactions and representing mm-hmm. people's ideas, learning to listen to those is hard. Oh, it's like,
2: extremely art teaches, art competitive.
1: you tons of skills. I've I have plenty of friends who are artists, tons of skills about how to do this, how to draw this, beautiful, fine stuff, but they don't necessarily teach you the listen to your client skills and then how to interpret your client skills. So that's phenomenal. Um, There's uh, Writers of the Future has a partnership with a uncreatively same-named company called Illustrators of the Future. They're actually done by the same group, and that so and they do something similar but on um a a different scale and that's
2: so awesome though well i mean the third book and i keep telling the teachers like i got more books coming out so we're gonna keep doing this as long as we can as long as the artwork is good and it's i mean we had to turn away work that was phenomenal one guy one kid god he did a phenomenal piece and the problem was it was too anime, and I was—I told him I was like, I can't really. But if that had been a comic book cover, that would have won. It was beautiful. I actually felt cool. bad. I was like, I, we have to say no to this. But it's not because it's not good. It's, it's ridiculously good. It just didn't fit what we were going for. So, yeah, it was great. And, that's and, all and my part publisher of the, was great too. Scope
1: of it. So yeah, that's it really was, awesome.
2: Well, thanks. Yeah, I was—I was thrilled for the kids, and I was thrilled for me. I was like, I got a great cover. I get a ton of people telling me how much they love the covers. And I get to tell – that's what actually my favorite thing to talk about. It's not me. It's the cover that the kids did. That's what I like.
0: But the covers are amazing. I would have never guessed that they were high school kids. Yeah, they were. So yeah, did, they you, were, they were. did you have any like uh, – did you have any pushback when you were setting that up? Because I've never heard of anyone doing it like that, but that is awesome.
2: No, the um, when I contacted the, the teacher, she was like, yeah, you know, we can do it. And, you know, the funny thing is is that I didn't even – have a contract yet with my publisher he contacted me like the next day and when I and when I told him I was like oh by the way I kind of made this deal you know with these kids and the teacher so we don't have to do he's like oh my god we're doing that that sounds awesome I mean we love to give back to the community and I knew right then I was like I've signed with the right publisher it was really cool
0: so how did you find him
2: oh man just luck Just luck. I was sitting there going through one of my, you know, many Facebook groups and I, I tried self-publishing and, you know, there's nothing wrong with self-publishing, but after about a month, I was like, I need marketing help. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to try to see if I can find a publisher. And I really hadn't tried that before. And I happened to see um, Charity Ayers, her book, Loki bound had come out and they had that had uh, shown something on one of these websites that said, Hey, this is a new release. And I clicked on, I was like, Oh, that's a cool looking book. And I looked at three Ravens publishing and it mentioned that they're taking open submissions. And I, and I wanted, I was like, well, I'm going to take a look and see if it's legit you know, if it's not, you know, one of these other publishers where they say, Oh, just $5,000 and we'll publish your book. Yeah. Yeah, no,
1: That's that's such a danger. uh, (laughs) Right.
2: Well, what, once I saw that, I was like, you know what? I like it. And since my story is called The Raven and the Crow, that's the name of the series. I was like, you know what? I think it's a little bit of a sign. And I'm not a big believer in that. But in this, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and put in. And like I said, you know, I was like, well, you know, 10 months. I'll have to wait. I, I heard back that week. So it was really exciting to hear. But that's how I thats i was just dumb luck. Really, that's how I, I got
0: on there. Cool. So, can I tell right, you? Back to your fandom questions, Doc.
1: Back to my fandom question. So, has anyone asked you for your autograph out in public?
2: So they they ask me for an autograph if they buy the books. I have I've sent out maybe almost 400 signed copies of my book. So I can't say that they've come up and said, "You're so famous, can you autograph my you know my forehead?" No, nothing like that. (laughs) But I have put out many autographs to my book. My brothers love to tease me. They're like oh 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 michael michael k falcioni yeah could you sign this like shut up because i mean that's my pen name it's not my real name so they love that they love to tease me and i have a lot of brothers and sisters in the book so they're constantly being referenced because i grew up with them everyone's like how do you have such realistic banter i was like oh because i have brothers and sisters that's how
0: (laughs) and they're merciless all of them i love them they're wonderful absolutely (laughs) That, that's how it, that's how it works. Right.
1: So um, what was it like the first time you had somebody ask you to sign your book?
2: I mean, you know, fireworks, passion, the, the dream <laughs> of a new America, you know, I mean, I don't know. what to say. It was, so, <laughs> it was exciting. I was like, really? You want me to sign it? I was like, I remember the first time I sat there, I started signing my real name was like, you idiot, don't ruin this book. So yeah, it was, it was, it's, I still get a little, thrill, you know, sometimes I'm like, I, mean, awesome. I, I guess I can, I can, guess you can see where you're like, oh, I'm sick of signing these. I never feel like that. I'm like, people are talking to me about the book. People I don't are, think anybody, anybody ever feels them? like
1: that, but I think the one time I've ever heard an author who felt like that, it's not so much that they felt like that. It's that they had really bad purple tunnel. They're like, I
2: can't. I, oh <laughs> yeah. That makes that
0: sense. Makes, so I I was so nervous the first time because I don't normally like when I sign my name for real for like checks or whatever. I just scribble. I don't even make attempts to make my cursive legible. But when right. you're signing autographs, they kind of want to be able to read that it's your name. And I was so nervous about getting the cursive right that I spelled my name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're already one up on me. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That.
1: And people wonder why I pick on you.
0: <laughs> it's all good. Let's say. All right, Doc. You got you got to get your last fandom question before you die. I can't let you die on the show.
1: So, have you had any fun or weird fan interactions yet that you want to tell us about? So, <laughs> other than your siblings, your siblings don't count. I mean, nothing,
2: nothing, appropriate that I would say. No, I'm I'm kidding. Um, I haven't really had. I've, I've had quite a few people reach out to me. Um. I've had a couple of people come up to me and say, Hey, you're that guy. I saw you on the news. I saw, remember when you were on the news. Well, I remember when I was on the news. Do you remember when I was on the news? But other than that, I really haven't had a ton. I'm a very new author. I wish I could tell you I've you know, sold thousands of I've, I've sold hundreds. I feel good about that. But I haven't really had anybody say too much to me. Once in a while, I'll get somebody say, Hey, you're, you're Michael K. Fassian. Like, I am Michael K. Falsian. Who, who are you and why do you know this? Oh, I saw it on your book. I was like, oh, cool. Or it's in the, in the newspaper. People will say, oh, I saw you in the newspaper. Okay, that's great. But nothing awesome that I can tell you. I wish. I wish I had. Maybe at Liberty Con, you know. You know. I'll do some, uh, you know, some smoozing or something with with some of the the, the super famous people.
0: So, so if you want to be his first weird or funny interaction with a fan, you can sign up for his newsletter and get to know him a little better. And you could become the Weird Stalker. I mean, you could become Doc Saskett. Right? That's fine. You okay. too. Can I be weird don't fan.
1: stalk anybody. That involves way too much work. <laughs>
0: All right, I can attest work, it does a involve a lot of work. Take a lot
2: of work. Uh, sp- it's exhausting. Speaking
0: of work, we're going to take a moment where we shamelessly shill for the man and pause for a commercial interlude.
3: In a galaxy tied together by the magic of the Elite Jump Mages, new graduate Damian Montgomery is in search of his first assignment. Without Elite blood ties and high-powered connections, he can't find a ship to sign on to. A pirate attack left David White with a damaged freighter and a dead Jump Mage. The dead Mage's grieving father blacklists him and makes it impossible to hire a replacement. Without a mage to jump his ship, he's stranded. When their desperate needs meet, Damien is drawn into a conflict with the most powerful criminal organization in the galaxy, and draws the attention of the Mage King of Mars himself. Starship's Mage, the first book in a science fantasy series by Glenn Stewart, is available on Kindle and Audible.
0: All right. Thank you for sticking with us for that commercial. Doc is trying not to die as she chokes on her water. Um, and instead, we're going to go back to talking about the books. So are you going to survive, Doc? I know it was a long commercial. Yeah,
1: no, my eyes just bothering me. It's allergy season. and It's
0: allergy season. Yep. So this is the part, Michael, where we talk about everything you have written. Uh, so can you give us the Reader's Digest version of your body of work?
2: So, yes, my this won't take that long. I don't have that many books out yet. Um, The the first one is my first novel, The Raven and the Crow, Dark Storm Rising. The second one is The Raven and the Crow, The Grey Throne, which had just come out. Um, The third book in the series, I actually am on, I don't know, I'm on chapter 12, I think. That one will be called The Raven and the Crow, Shores of Blood. Now, I do have a new novel that's coming out. Uh, My publisher and I were just talking about it this week. This is the aforementioned steampunk dwarven epic high fantasy novel. I had to make sure I threw every single genre in there or subgenre, <laughs> And they're all true. And that one is called uh, The Dwarves of Rom, Omens of War. I was lucky enough to write for uh, an anthology, which is also up for an Imogen Award, which Ooh. was, um, it, it came from the trailer park, an urban story uh, that I wrote, an urban fantasy called Hell Hath No Fury. Um, and then I have another one that I, 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 well, (laughs) I'm not going to say anything about it, but it's very, it's very fun. You have to Um, pick up the
1: story and then you can make all the comments.
2: I have, man, I did have a comment about it, but perhaps I can tell you later if you guys ask me. Um, (laughs) But the, another one that i'm working on is one called the white death we put in for jt posthumous embers of corsari which is another anthology coming out it hasn't been accepted yet so i'm hoping jt i hope, hope you like it <laughs> and then i have one other one. Oh, the uh, the volume two of the trailer park is also coming out so i haven't written that short story yet but i have a great idea of what i want to do so uh, those are my published works and my upcoming works so to speak.
0: Okay, so that all sounds fascinating. But today we're going to talk about the uh, Raven and the Crow, the Dark Storm Rising. So, yes. what uh, was the? How did you get the premise for this story? Like, where did you come up with the idea? Oh, it's so too much dumb. time
1: in gym class.
2: No, I wish
1: too many um, huffing, too many cleaners <laughs> cleaning those lats.
2: I'm gonna let Doc answer this. She's all over it. I like her answers better than mine. So, um. You know, as, as somebody who's been a fantasy fan forever, you know, I always have ideas rattling around in my head. But I was actually working. It was my first summer here in Nevada. And I had not been to Nevada. The scorching temperature is 100 and plus degrees. I didn't realize summers there was no clouds. It was all blue sky, hot, air, dry. I was not used to that. And I was working out. Yeah, it's out a great was, way
1: to dehydrate everything.
2: Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, I was, not, I was not ready. And I was working at a steel factory that my my, my mother-in-law got me a job out there. I like to think of it as survival of the fittest now that I think back to it. But as I was working out there, I was actually working as a rebar fabricator and I had to make these, I mean, gigantic rings. They had to have been 10 feet across and I had to make, you know, 30 or 40 of these things. And then I had to somehow carry these things across The uh, wonderfully uh, named Boneyard. And as I was walking along with this gigantic ring, I said, I wish I could just set this down and step through it and portal my way over there. And the light went on. I said, oh, that would be kind of a fun thing in a fantasy story. And once I had that idea, I just said, I'm going to roll with it. Now, of course, many things have changed since then. But that's where I got the original idea to say, I'm going to write a story about that. And there was—that's where it happened on the dry desert boneyard of the steel factory that I was working on, getting paid seven fifty an hour. Boom. That's right.
0: Those were the big bones back in the day.
2: I mean, I mean, but, I don't um, like brag, but
0: that's what I was getting paid. So it's it's before terrible. we dig it's in, careful. Uh, I am going. <laughs> this is
1: why Doc, try not to... you got to go for at least a skilled skill if not like educate like a college degree isn't the w- only way but definitely get a skill.
0: Oh, Yes, yes, I would. Agree. All right, so we're going to Look, that's a good look. We're going to take a moment and and you've told us how the uh the process of getting the art cover. So instead let's twist that question a little bit. Um how did you pick what you wanted them to draw? Like what you told them, "Hey, this is what I want the cover to have."
2: So, yeah, w- William and I went in. He he talked to them about the publishing process um, and, you know, the illustration process and how I had to pop and had to be great. I went and I explained several of the scenes to the students. Uh, I talked to them about, you know, this is what's happening here. I wanted to say, listen, this isn't some happy-go-lucky fairy tale. This is a dark story. It takes place up in the mountains. I talked about this waterfall that we see here. Um, I talked about it's called the mirrored falls and I had several different ideas that, that kids sent in. This one was one of the waterfall ideas. And when I saw this, I think my publisher and I just said, Holy cow. Now the, the great thing about working with so many kids is that you see, we have the two swords there that are sticking in the water. I think it was Willie who said, you know what? I saw that on another Entry and the entry didn't win, but he liked that idea, and I said the same thing. I was like, yeah, "That's brilliant!" And so we put those swords in. I remember on another entry, I saw this long red tassel blowing off something else. I said, "We should put like a red tassel on the swords." So even though those those kids didn't win, that all all those ideas made it into this one, and and this and this became the cover. But that's what yeah, I, I gave the kids scenes. I gave them access to to read the book. I gave them whatever they wanted as far as being motivated to, to do it. And the, the student who won this, Damien King was the name. Um, when, I, when I spoke to him, he said, yeah, I just went with what you said, and I, I wanted to, to make this scene. And there we were. It was beautiful. It was well done.
0: Okay. So when they submitted these, were they line drawings, or did they color them as well? They were called this.
2: this is the, That student submitted this exact thing. Eat, and it had the the title and everything on there the only thing that wasn't on there were the swords with the ribbon everything else was on there so it was all yeah it was it wasn't handwritten nothing like that it was just like this it was computer it's that graphics design class so that's what they sent
0: in so what does like i wasn't able to find a picture of the wraparound that the paperback would i mean the, the paperback or hardback would have oh okay. is the image on the back oh. just static color or does the image carry through
2: no, yeah, it does not carry through. Right. It's just uh, kind of the, the the back cover is just kind of black.
0: OK, well, if it's not if it doesn't carry through, we won't worry about putting it full screen. But OK. okay. Uh, if yeah. you did it again, do you think you would ask for a full wraparound image for, for the hardback and, and whatnot on the dust jacket? <laughs> or do you like Jay, the idea?
2: JR, you know, <laughs> that's a great question. I basically was so new. I was like, you guys do whatever you want. I don't care. I just want a cover that's good. So maybe no, I would, it's I would a have good to image i like it yeah, i think it's I, great yeah i'd have to ask my publisher. i would have never guessed I leave those kid drew to that. him. yeah that's i mean yeah, no, i mean why I'm not I, would, lines, I, would, well, I, I love just, that
0: i just let the publishers do their thing and even if the publisher is me i like i got minions for that i don't i don't too many colors but i do like I, the image i'm really? still surprised that a kid drew that
2: yeah no they. So they that's great amazing out. the second book was i mean so it's what grades were they in uh, this, was, I mean, because the class like, was a senior. Yeah. This were was all of a senior them submitted school. seniors. No, there was some sophomores, juniors and seniors. So some of them got a chance to do the second. Okay. also. And then, you know, and it will cool. continue. Like I said, we'll continue giving him a shot at it. So we'll see
0: mm-hmm. how it goes. That is awesome. I still like that. So you want to keep doing that with all of your books or was this just for this series? I think for this
2: series, um, we're going to do this. Uh, probably not with the dwarf book because those books, I definitely want faces and, you know, more, more, um, you know, people, or in this case, dwarves, or whether it's the saddle skins, I want them on there. So I have a feeling we'll go with a different publisher, not to say the kids couldn't do a great job, but they're, you know, they're still learning. So for me, I think this would probably be a little bit harder for those kids to do with the the dwarf books. I think we're going to go with a different different off, illustrators for that.
0: So, Doc, is it sad that I like this cover better than some of what Tread Club's putting out for fantasy covers these days? <laughs> that look like they're supposed to be too artsy-farty no. instead of an actual cool As image. in
1: the case of all things with fandom, you're allowed to like what you like. And I'm not going to call that you that as being bad. Unless, it's- of course, you know, it's not pineapple on pizza.
0: Pineapple on pizza is a heresy. I'm glad you finally agree. Uh, for I me, it's not, not even the I quality said it's of the book. Not. I love pineapple. I just don't like the images. Uh, some of these images, I'm just like, yeah, that's not doing it for me. I hope the dust jacket on the back has a good description. But no, I, right. so, I really like
1: off- this one. It is, it stands out. It's unique. Um, it has an epic feel of being like a painting. So
0: thank you. I yeah. like that. Yeah, no, I, I really like it. It does. Thank you. I could see that on, on your wall, too, if you but got I mean, that it, printed.
1: It brings in a lot of influence. Like, I can see some influence from, like, anime and some of the artwork style of how some of the lines are drawn in a good way, though.
0: So Thank you. I so I the good news it. is if you, if you like his books and you do art that's fan art, you send it to him. He's not opposed to buying it and potentially using it if it's good enough. So now you have your motivation, people, because he's... <laughs> He's already proven it's kind of true. he's job yeah. I mean, yeah, He on. doesn't care if you have a pedigree. So let's move on to the book itself. So what would your 30-second um, elevator pitch be for this novel? Oh,
2: I have it right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it because every time I try to say it, I always mess it up. But here's the, here's, here it is. Here's my best movie tone voice, if you will. Two brothers struggle to find their place in the world. For the elder sibling Kildare every morning begins with the memory of betrayal. Once governed by the principles of morality, Kildare has become an instrument of blood and steel. Where the speed of his sword arm meets out his own brand of justice. Only the strength and resolve of of his brother Zidane keeps him from succumbing to the ever-present rage that burns behind his dark eyes. While employed by the mysterious sage Blade, the pair stumble across chameleons a runaway tribe woman displaying extraordinary psychic powers. Their meeting, however, is no chance encounter. A riddle chameleon carries will change not only the fate of the three, but the fate of the entire world. Do
0: okay. So that's it. So yeah, this is an epic voice, fantasy. So a fantasy. So it's definitely gritty. Two out of ten. We'll give you a two out of ten on the movie trailer voice, but an eight out of ten <laughs> on the actual thirty-second elevator pitch. Okay, but I'm going nice. to also have to comment that, uh, as a member of the American PE Teachers Association, he has to tell you: take the stairs, not the elevator, people. It'll save your life someday. That is true. I know. That's why PE teacher always told me. Huh. Stop you from having. <laughs> I never party. say that stuff. It's no. like in your handbook. What you didn't? You didn't no. read the PE manual. No, oh, I was a nice. PT
2: beast in the military. I'm I'm talking 300 right here back in the day, but uh,
0: <laughs> well,
2: they, these up guys up know Navy what I'm town, talking about. So they had a PT of, score, PT 300 was the maximum so that, you
0: could get. So, back in the day, like because it's a Navy town, there were a lot of former CBs or retired bitter SEALs that were PE instructors around here, so they always tried to murder us in class. It was just a thing, you know, as you do. Huh. Uh, no, I was like just cool. remembering
1: the last time I got fussed over taking the elevator and I had the best comeback ever you could have in the army. Which was? And he goes, you know, special as well, because I was pregnant at the time. And he goes, uh, Al-Qaeda doesn't have elevators. And I went, they don't have sergeant majors or colonels either. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll take it. Thank goodness I was seven
1: months pregnant. I got away with it. Oh,
0: goodness. I found that in the early GWAT you could get away with a lot because they were more worried about the war. But um, I wouldn't try that at home, people in the modern army, because you know they're not in the sandbox as much. So they they probably Oh, I I would love
1: to see what a healthy soldier would get smoked with for that to a Sergeant major. However, as I said, I was seven months pregnant.
0: So, you do get that uh, I'm making a human life in my belly pass. So instead we're no, going to go back I, talk I had to talking Michael. The, I
1: couldn't breathe if I tried getting up three flights of stairs and they wanted me upstairs, so.
0: That is fair. So um, with my Blunt Force segue, Michael, what do you think makes your Dark Raven, or the Raven and the Crow series, special?
2: Oh, you know, there, there's so much here. Um, I, I think the the character interplay um, is, is – I'm not going to say how great it is, but in my, in my opinion, it's really just realistic. It's fun. It's a dark, gritty novel. These are more anti-heroes than heroes. It's the opening scene starts off and it could, it could be anywhere. It happens that, you know, happens in a, in a small, uh, underneath a castle gate, as I recall, it's just gritty realism with fantasy kind of, you know, over, overlapping the rest. Um, I have heard people tell me that one of the things I liked the best about it was just the world building, the way the characters interact with one another. It's very believable. It's very real. It's something that they feel like when when, when they, when they see it there or they, they read it, they just say, man, how, how did you come up with this? And I just say, yeah, I got a lot going on up here. I don't know. But to <laughs> me, and it's, it's a, it's just a fun kind of read where you you quickly get entrenched in what's happening and you're like all want right, gonna see what happens with these guys and as my as i heard recently they always do the opposite of what you think they're gonna do and i don't know if that's true or not but somebody said that to me i said well there you have it so and you know there's there's a second storyline which deals with a a princess and uh, there's a they're, they're vying for the crown. There's, there's going to be, um, you know, a, a new high lord. And whoever marries this girl, this is the laws of this country. So we see that part as well. And, again, you know, it gives me a, a lot of fun to, you know, write this, this female character who can't stand being kind of in the background where this, in this male-dominated society. And, she, you know, she finds an ally in, in, a, in an ambassador. And the two of them kind of take on the rest of the, of the suitors. And, you know, that part is also a lot of fun. It's really political. Um, there's there's just a lot that goes on. But I like to think that it all just kind of flows nicely. And, you know, eventually these two storylines, you can kind of see them. They are, you know, there's things dropped, hints dropped here and there that eventually they are going to come together. And that, and that, of course, does happen in, in the second book. So, and I don't, again, I don't want to say too much about it in case we have some people that want to read it. But. I have heard very good things about it, which I'm very humbly thrilled to hear. Really is exciting.
0: So, is this the book that gets me? And then, sorry to interrupt you, Doc. Is this the book that got the nomination for the award, or is it book two? Yes, this
2: this is. Well, the book two just came out, so I don't think it got entered in anything yet. But um, this is the one that got nominated for the award, and the The audio book for this is what got nominated. Um, it's my very first book. So the idea that it got nominated for anything, I mean it's a finalist, and I just sat there saying, Okay, that's what happened? I got an award nomination. How did that happen? So it's what I'm really excited about. Uh, really excited about it. And I'm well, when I'm did thrilled. book
1: one come out?
2: Book one came out June 15th, I believe. And book two came out oh, was it, it just came out in book form. Uh the second book came out, I want to say March. So, Doc, are these books oh, really.
0: eligible for the uh, Dragon, which is open for nominations now?
1: I'm checking the award opening of when things open up for the nomination period. Book two would definitely be. Some real question is, would book one be
2: eligible? I don't know.
1: I love how Junior likes to throw things in it. So, when was book one came out? Did book one come out?
2: Book one came out. Uh, June 5th, 9th, or 15th of 2021.
1: So, book two would be eligible, but not book one. Okay, there
0: you go. So, so if your fans are listening and you want to nominate his book, oh wow, I put Dragon up the World, wrong World.
1: banner right there.
0: <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I wasn't gonna question it, I was just gonna go with it. But, uh, so if you want to nominate this, the Dragon Awards are open, and book two, this the sequel to this, is uh, is eligible. So, do the things, people. Now, Doc, you get to ask your questions.
1: You really just say do the. I'm thing. done
0: interrupting you. I promise. I'm done.
1: Okay. JR's not done. He we all know he's not. But which tropes do you think you really had fun playing with for Darkstorm Rising?
2: Well, I you skipped for a second there. Which what?
1: Which tropes do you really feel you had fun playing with for this?
2: Oh, tropes. I mean, I <laughs> I, I will tell you, I have so many great characters that I love. The fantasy trope that I like the best is that kind of anti-hero, grumpy, I don't really care what you think. I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> I mean, that was my, my publisher's like my, my, one of my main characters is named Kildare. Every time he is in the book, my publisher is so excited. He's like, oh my God, I can't wait to see what he says, what he does. How's he going to act? Who's he going to yell at? Cause he's just miserable all the time. He, and then you know, once in a while we'll see a glimmer of who he used to be, and you start to say, "Oh, maybe he's not always this terrible." And the the great thing about that him is that uh, his brother Zidane, will kind of offset that <laughs> that being so just miserable with being, "Hey, man, come on!" You know, and he's God. He's got so many great one liners that he'll just throw back at his brother. And yeah, those that's my favorite thing to write about with it with the trope is those kind of gritty anti-heroes that just don't put up with anything. You know, they did try. They tried to be – they tried to do the right thing. And, that you know, that didn't work out for them. So they're like, it's us against the world. We don't really care if we win. We're going to fight the good fight anyway, and that's that. You don't like it, get in line with everybody else who doesn't like it. Who cares? So, yeah, they're they're pretty – That that's my favorite thing to write <laughs> with, with, uh, with those guys.
0: So do you test these one-liners against your siblings? To make sure what do you think I got them attention? all from?
2: These kids, half of these fun letters are the stuff they say to me. I'm like, hey, how's it going? What do you mean how's it going? Yeah, no, they they're I have a very blessed family, they're just brilliant, they're all wordsmiths, they're all great storytellers. They'll they'll sit there and say, Hey, no, I don't tell you stories, and then they'll tell me a story about it. Yeah, whatever. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I was very lucky. And you know, having been in the military, having you know gone to, to college and being in a being in a fraternity. I heard all kinds of people giving all kinds of people, you know, crap for what happened the night before. And, you know, sometimes it was me. Oh my goodness. Just so many good things you can use out there in the world. If if you listen and that's, and that's what I do. I'm a good listener. I've talked too much probably, but that's all right. (laughs) I don't mind.
0: No such thing on a podcast, pimping your books. So true.
2: True point. Good point.
0: But uh, I'm enjoying it. So if if we're having fun, we hope the audience is having fun. And if you are having fun, be sure when we post this to comment in the sections uh, and go for it. So did you, um, before I interrupt Doc again, because I can't help myself, when you picked the narrator. See, I told them
1: I was right.
0: Shush. uh, Did you actually pick the narrator or did your publisher pick it? Because you said the narrator got the narration quality is, is nominated for an award
2: so yeah the the narrators you know it's all very this is my first time you know the second book I, I knew a little bit more but the, by the first book you know my publisher says hey well, I'm gonna send you a bunch of narrators you know I think we got 20 or so auditions and you know so, some were good some were not that good some were some were very good and then there was two that really stood out um and my and I and there was one I was dead set I was like we're gonna go with this guy I love his voice I don't care you know what we have to do this is the guy I want I knew it I knew it and then the very last one we got was, was from the one who ended up doing it. And this was from Joshua Saxon. And when he read the chapter, because they all you know, kind of send an excerpt, he read the whole first chapter. And my publisher kind of said, hey, you need to listen to this last one. I was like, all right, whatever. I'm going to listen to it. But nobody's going to. What? And as I listened, I was like, oh, my God, we have to hire him. And Joshua Saxon, what a, I mean, he was so good. He's gotten nominated for an award for the audiobook. I mean, that's how good he is. I can't believe this guy's not a household name. I could listen to him read me the phone book. He's that kind of narrator. Absolutely brilliant. So that's how we picked him. We we heard um, these guys. And then William sent me the, the last one and I listened to it and we both agreed. Yep, that's the one. So I, I would love to say I picked it. But William kind of picked it, and I said, "Yeah, you're right. Great job, man.
0: Always a good good plan to talk to your boss that way. Take notes, people. That's what he was, was so right. Nice
2: to he was, and I'm not shy about telling my thoughts. You know, I don't think I think he likes that, but in this case, I was like, yep, 'Yep, I'm bowing down. You you know more than I do.'
0: All right, Doc, I'm going to stop interrupting you again for a second so you can ask your next question. I promise.
1: Real, so I was going to say what subgenres because Jared loves to try and make me. Pr- Ask the subgenre question proof that this is the one time he's not interrupting me so which subgenres do you think your story really fits into within the whole wide range of subgenres?
2: oh god i mean there's there's i mean obviously it's an epic fantasy there's some high fantasy as well there's some i mean there's some real espionage here there's this is a political thriller um I feel like that really are are the the main things that that we take a look at. This is, I mean, my my publisher and, uh, you know, my narrator both said this could be a a political thriller. This could be an espionage film. This could be taking place right now, except for the whole fantasy aspect. And, you know, it's kind of written in the time frame. It's been influenced by, you know, the ancient Greek times. It's been influenced by the Middle Ages. It's been influenced by some of the Roman things. Um, you know, some of those are some of the fundamental questions. Has steel been invented? Has iron been, you know, is it the Bronze Age? What, what's going on? What what kind of cultures do we have? Um, you could even say there's a little bit of gambling going on in this game. There was a, there was a, I actually invented a new card game just for this novel. And now it's you know, I, I talk about it, you know, not all the time, but when it's appropriate, we we bring it up. But I was sitting on the, on the beach in Mexico and I was like, you know what I need? I need a really cool game that's, you know, unique just to this world. So I sat there and I read an old book that was actually written by Gary Gygax, the fantasy, uh, you know, master of Dungeons and Dragons. He had a chapter in his, one of his first books that kind of talked about some gambling game. And as I read through it, I was like, OK, I don't really understand the rules, but I'm going to come up with something loosely based on this. So anyways, yeah, so there's some gambling in it as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of different subgenres that that go with this. Probably some I'm forgetting, but those are the ones I think of uh, the most readily.
1: I I think they breed when you don't look at them. Kind of like, you know, well, children's mess.
2: Yeah, I I agree. You never know what (laughs) you're going to get here.
1: Can we tell I've been cleaning house a lot lately? (laughs) Um, so, no, I just tried to get clean a child's room. But anyways, on to the story itself. Can you tell us a bit more about the main character of this amazing novel?
2: So we have, there's really four main characters. I'll, I'll touch on the first two. We have these two brothers, Kildare and Zidane. Uh, Z- uh, uh, Kildare and Zidane, sorry about that. These two guys have kind of been, they're kind of outcasts of society. They were extremely important at one time, but now their reputation is ruined. So they're kind of working, you know, behind the scenes. They're they're working, you know, outside the law, if you will. And they've been hired by this, you know, very prominent uh, sage who says, hey, I, I need something from a dangerous spot and I have to send you to. And, you know, and of course, they argue about being paid. Um, but as the story uh, progresses, they they run into this this mysterious woman named Chameleon, who is a, a psychic of incredible power, and the riddle that she tells them is meant only for their ears. And when they hear it, they realize we have to get we have to go back to where we don't want to go. We have to go back into the high society of the Nobles' And because if we don't, they realize you know, the world is going to be in danger and they, they don't put it all together right away. But as time goes on, they realize more and more like, oh man, what we, we have to do. This. And they the funny thing is, is the person who set them up to take the fall is the person they now have to decide whether or not they want to save. And so as they're racing to save this person, they can't stand. They do have a lot of mis- misgivings about it. Like, are we doing the right thing? I'm not sure, you know, and there's obstacle after obstacle in their way. They have many different uh, things trying to slow them down as as the story unravels we see that this is not just a localized problem with these two but it does it will inf- affect everything it will affect the entire world but you know especially in this in this case you know somebody who even though they 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 did something wrong to them it is somebody they still care about they don't really want to care about, about this person but they do so they're both angry and trying to save the day at the same time so I hope Hopefully that'll answer your question. But yeah, this is this is one of those stories where revenge is definitely a factor. But they're trying to stand the moral high ground, and it's not easy to them because they don't like the moral high ground anyway.
1: So okay, uh, do you have, have any think about? Do you have any bad guys that you're comfortable talking about that aren't going to give away the, anything?
2: Oh, I have lovely villains. They're just wonderful.
0: They are. <laughs> he said know,
1: that the, like like some people say. Oh, I have lovely flowers in my garden. <laughs> oh, love lovely. <laughs> well, that but was
2: the funny what thing is. Say. Yeah. Oh no, I love the bad guy. The bad guys are really fun to write. Um, and it, you know, I've heard uh, I've heard this said. You know, when, when you write a great villain. You know, he just the reader just despises them, and they're just terrible. And I've heard many people say that to me, which which I love. But somebody said, if you really want to write an, an exceptional villain, you know, you're actually sad when they're when they're defeated, um, because you understand their motivation, if you will. You know, Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones is a perfect example. She's just horrible, but you wonder, from from her point of view, she's doing the right thing. She's trying to survive. That didn't work for protecting me. Protecting her children. The whole time, There's a but, lot
1: I can respect about that
0: as oh, a woman. Yeah, no.
2: Yeah. So yeah, there, there, I have a couple of villains, um, you know, one, you could even cast one of the main characters who's on the other side, McClure. He's a good guy, but he's the guy who helped, you know, cast these two out of society. So you could say he's both a good guy and he's a villain in, in, in certain, you know, depending on how you want to look at it. I have another one um, named Eliphas who's this just demon made steeped in evil. And he has his own agenda going on. And then finally, my favorite villain is this Prince uh, Dragomir, who is he's a suitor for the throne. His father is the most powerful, you know, noble in the the world. And he, you know, he believes he's a shoe in for, you know, becoming the next high lord of this, of this, you know, integral city. Uh, He's just, he's just awful. He's just terrible. And he's the problem is he's young. He's in, you know, I think he's 21. And he's arrogant and he just believes he does do whatever he wants. And his advisors, he's constantly firing his advisors because he doesn't want to hear what they have to say. No, he's that young, petulant, arrogant, I think I know everything character. And I mean he does have some redeeming qualities, but really not too many. He's he's pretty terrible. So yeah, those are my my villains that I that I will speak of.
1: So This is my favorite question of the show, and JR. is not allowed to talk when I ask it. That's not why it's my favorite. It's my favorite because it's an amazing question.
2: Okay. I hope I don't get it wrong.
1: You won't get it wrong because any answer works. (laughs) If your characters knew who you were and they met you, like, say, in a back alley or on a morning PT run, (laughs) how do you think you'd fare?
2: Oh, I would get my ass kicked. Are you kidding me? (laughs) These guys are very, very tough hombres. They are strong. They're fast. They're younger than I am. Um, I have a feeling, though, like let's say I sat down to gamble with them, I have a feeling that you know we might get along pretty well, even though we're kind of adversaries as well. But I do feel like you know we would be pretty good giving each other you know one liners and zingers and things like that. So I think they would probably not like me right away. But as time went on, we might get along a little better. But yeah, if I met them in a dark alley, would be like, you go that way, I'll go this way. And, you know, we're good. Please don't kill me. So that's about <laughs> it. But yeah, no, you I, that, that would be fun. I you would can, love to meet them, actually.
1: You can see why this is one of my favorite questions of all yes. of our questions.
2: Yes, I would not piss them off. Because they're not characters that are say, you know, let's let it go. They're like, oh, you don't like us? And that's I'm like, why did I say anything? You know, they just don't put up with it. Unlike me, I'm
0: much more confident. Doc just wants to get her inner um, violence out. And um, so this is just I don't her know what you're talking and, about. Uh, so. But uh, we will go on so we don't lose that family-friendly rating. So um, let's take a look behind the curtains about uh, and see how the sausage is made. So were there any cool scenes that were cut from this first book that would make an interesting story?
2: Well, there is one scene that my publisher said you have to cut this. And I, I, I mean, I said, okay, I didn't really want to cut it. Um, It was kind of a, how do I say this? This was a love scene, if you will, an adult scene. Now the scene is in there, but it's kind of a, it kind of fades to black rather than going into great, any great detail. Now I'm not telling you that it was eight pages of, you know, passionate, whatever. But it was, uh, I think it was about half a page of more detail. And now, so I bring this up because I've had some female readers that said, you know, I thought there was going to be a little more of, you know, this and this between these two characters. And I said, well, I did have a scene like that, but it got cut. And they yelled at me. They're like, why did you cut this in? I said, well, my puzzles were going to cut it. And I'm, I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking ah. William. He knew what he was talking about. Because I've had at least three times as many people say, listen, my son or daughter is, you know, 13, 14. Would this be age appropriate and 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 now because that scene's not in there i can say you know it really is it's 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 not too bad there's some there's a little bit of cursing you know but other than that it's it's not too bad again he's wiser than me he knew this now that doesn't mean i'm not going to push for kind of seeing like that later on but but yeah but that, you know what you
1: could always put it as a special bonus on your yes. mailing list author to, yes,
2: to and pay. I yes, that's an excellent idea. I've I've heard that, and I'm like, I'm going to do that. My my web page will be done, I believe, this weekend. So I can't wait Woo-hoo! to send out my first newsletter. You know, say hey, if you want to join, you know, that's I'm looking forward to that.
0: Jhar. Okay. Uh, now so, that's no, this I weekend at
1: you- the time of pant of recording so by the time we air it it will hopefully be right live.
0: should be live that's
1: right so if you are an ambitious listener go find
2: it yeah let join us know the, join the newsletter
0: absolutely so what can you tell us about the universe writ large so in miniseries the worlds where the story takes place the world not worlds Word, I can speak. I promise. Um, the the world is as much a character as the protagonist and the antagonist. So, what can we expect from the setting where this story takes place?
2: Yeah, this this is another question that was, uh, or something that was brought up by both my publisher and my narrator. They 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 really enjoy the world, and this is a world that I, I this area of the world is. I kind of set it with the idea of the Mediterranean Sea. You've got, you know, some countries that, you know, they're a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say modern, but they're a little bit more advanced than other ones. Um, you do have, you know, this. it's called the crystalline sea. It's got these crystal clear uh, greenish blue waters. Um, we have, you know, we have a, a salt marsh that's close by. We have beautiful mountains. We have this incredible waterfall that you see on the cover here. Uh, You're going to see all kinds of uh, things from the ancient Greek times, from ancient Roman times, from the medieval times. This is a world that is a living, breathing place. And I tell you, as I'm sure you guys know as writers yourselves, how much time and energy goes into the backstory of the history of the place and the the history of the world and the the continents and how they came to be and, and bloodlines and who's in charge and who used to be in charge and who's going to be in charge. All of that stuff, you know, plays a part. So for me, as as my uh, narrator said, you know, the setting is really a huge character. And what you've got is you've just got these people wandering through it, but the setting is one of the main draws to the book. So, and I, I, again, I I very humbly said thank you to that, because, you know, I, I know how long it took just to get it that way. I mean, I didn't spend those 25 years doing nothing.
0: Okay. That was uh, well thought out. And, um, you know, the cool thing is that as you develop the world, if you find out some parts were um, more popular than others, you can always expand it with short stories or side quests or, you know, however you want to describe spinoff books that happen in the same place. Um, but uh, so right now we have two books out in uh, the Raven and the crow series. So, um, but is there, you mentioned that six are coming but do you have any plans past those six novels or or do you think that's going to be it? I mean, jokes aside, do, are there spinoff <laughs> series that you're thinking about already? Well, there's – so th- when I'm done
2: with these six, I, I want to finish the, the Dwarven Steampunk novels I talked about. I believe that will be a three-book series. And I've decided – I actually just did a crossover um, short story for another anthology where we see the characters from The Raven and the Crow meet – the dwarves character. So I've, I decided that these are all going to happen on the same planet, although they are not anywhere near one another. So that I have three dwarven novels that I will be writing as well. And then I have the idea, because I put so much time into the backstories of these characters, that I could very easily, and I'm actually quite excited about it, if I'm not too tired by the end of writing nine other books, that I very well may do a prequel uh, series of I've, i have the idea of three i actually have a novella that i've already written for it and one day i just got the urge and i started writing i was like oh this is really good i can put this in later on but yeah i do have the idea to do a three-book prequel and now my publisher mentioned you know doing an anthology letting some other people come in and inviting them into the world and you know i would be in charge of it and i could edit the books and say i like this one i don't like this one but that is also a possibility and we will see I do have some ideas for spin off characters and spin off, you know, some of my older characters, you know, what were they like when they were younger? So I do have that idea going as well. But I am trying to finish the third book <laughs> right now. So, you know, I have these ideas, but I'm like, well, I got to get things done also. So I try not to get too far ahead of myself.
0: So you mentioned the, uh, the spin off or the series with the goblins that you talked about. Is that going to be in the same world or is it going to be standalone?
2: So it's. It's currently a standalone, but it does take place on the same planet, if you will, in the same world.
0: Okay. There All is right, a so possibility the it
2: works. third book will have something to do with some of these characters. I haven't – I mean I have some ideas about it, but I don't want to say too much either.
0: Fair. So we know that every literary universe has its own internally consistent rules of science, technology, and magic. So what sort of magic can we expect in your high fantasy novel? So
2: the magic is, um, it's not, you know, it's not all powerful. Like we just have characters that, you know, go through and tear everything up with magic. There's a limit to it. You know, it they, they does take strength that you, you do get tired doing it. Um, you know, the more powerful mages, they can do a bit more, whether it's male or female, doesn't matter to me. That's one of the things I wanted to write about. I wanted to make sure females had a really strong presence. Now I'm a male. Luckily, I have some strong females that I know and grew up with. And I'm constantly asking advice. What do you think about this female character? How, how, how did this play out? So, um, that's something, whether they're, you know, doing magic or, or not, that's always something I take a look at, but you know, I, I wanted to bring that characteristic of, you know, psionics or psychic energy in, because I never really see that in a lot of fantasy novels. It was something I really wanted to touch, to, to bring in and touch on because it just gives us a different element to, to look at. So that was another thing that I wanted to put in. Um, as far as my magical system, I mean, I'm not going to break down every single little thing, but there is a pretty. I did. I did have to come up with a system in place. You know, some people are born. It's it's pretty rare to be magical, but it's not so rare. If you see it, they don't go, "Oh my god, that person can do magic." I mean, it's com It's common enough where they they they're used to it. You know, most people that are born with these magical abilities, you know, they can maybe do one or two things, and they're not super powerful. But there's always a few that can really do a lot and are steeped in magic. And there are things that can enhance that magic, whether it's a magical item or it's a, you know, some substance, all of that stuff was, was thought out by me. And it's quite exhausting, but you know, you have to have those things in. So, you know, otherwise people are going to say, well, you said this in one book and in the other book. Yeah, I know. I'm one of those people. So I try not to do
0: that. <laughs> Fair. All right, doc, these are your other favorite questions. It's funny how I, I sort the, uh, the interview around you getting all the questions you like to ask. I Maybe know. Maybe I got to rethink this and, and fix this going forward. I'm the boss, after all.
1: No, no, you're Why are not. Chirping? Oh, right, JR, you you sweet summer child. So, of all the magic you have in your universe, which one would you want to have for daily use?
2: Oh my god. Um I
1: know it's a hard question.
2: Well, there's <laughs> I I you know I'm a pretty simple gentleman, actually. I wish I was complicated, but I'm not. <laughs> there is some magic where you know they, they can just kind of use force and just you know knock knock people or things aside. There are times when, you know, I'm like, I would just like to knock somebody. I don't want to kill them. I just be like, you know what? Boom.
1: That's no, it. no, no. We're, you, done.
2: We're done. Take a five-minute break to and like recover.
1: DeNozo slapped them upside the head.
2: Yes. Like, yes. Don't do well, that. Yes, something like that. You know, and then you know, if I just kind of go, they're not going to really know who did it. They'll be like, what the heck just happened? Yeah, that was me. But so you're,
1: you're actually answering, I was going to say, and how would you abuse that?
2: Well, that's, that's – I mean, I don't, I don't know if what that's you, an abuse if they have it coming, but <laughs> – <laughs> I mean I, I would definitely they use had it I'm, I'm sometimes use it for legal. good, you know.
1: You know, well your siblings, I'm sure they earned it at some
0: point. Oh, I so just it for me. the record, they had it come in as a valid legal defense in the south. Thank you. Right? Doc and I could tell they you. They that, had that, it as a valid legal defense in the south.
2: Yeah, I I, I I mean I wouldn't use it for great evil, but you know, sometimes
1: Oh, that's mean. fine. I didn't say how that's would you use that. it for <laughs> evil. I just said right, how would right, you abuse it So, and, and you know.
0: if his boss is listening this is for comedic value of course only just so we got that clear you know he likes well, his job like
1: he said he'd do it during dodgeball
0: <laughs> See, now i'm thinking <laughs> no, of the I'm movie not. dodgeball we better just keep moving because you know
1: so do you have you you've talked about some of it and you have fantastic creatures in your universe right yes So, did you pull from old tropes? Did you pull from, like, you situational, I need something that does X, so I'm going to make it? Like, how did you go about creating these fantastic creatures and making them Michaels versus not Michaels?
2: Right, so... this is a this is a mixed question because i have many uh, several answers for this you know some I, I looked up i would look up things online and get inspiration from that but you know when i taught one of the main things i did actually when i taught fifth grade for many many years we always had a science project where we talked about ecosystems and i would always give students all right well, i'm going to give you guys an ecosystem and you have to design your own creatures that can live and survive here and you know you can do plants and animals whatever you want but I would take some of the ideas from students and say, hey, I'm gonna turn this into something I, I need. You know, one, one student one made this six-legged, I don't want to say wolf-like creature. I thought that's probably closest, but this this Kniadon is what they're called. Um, I was like, man, I wanna I, I like this. And I changed it to way, the way I wanted it to look. But you know, I, I took some ideas from students and then there was things for myself that I liked, you know, the idea everybody has the orc character. I didn't want. Yeah, well. I didn't want that. I wanted you know something bigger and more savage and you know tougher that that lived in the in the mountain range and you know something that was a real danger to to the people around there. So that was one I kind of designed on my own. Uh, and then I had you know these these lizard like creatures. Oh god, yeah. There I I tried to design and come up with stuff that I, I like Some of the things I would see that other car- uh, other people had done with their art. But some of this, I tried to give it my own twist to it as well. And, you know, I'm not going to say too much about dragons. <laughs> but those are also in somewhere in the novels. Again, I'm not going to talk about it, but they're in there. The so, in other words, you don't really see them yet. You can you, you
1: can keep reading. You will, if you're in Dragon the Fishing Auto, trust you, there will be one.
2: Boys, or more. At least one. Maybe more. Anyway.
1: So clearly, right. we're kind of winding down our interview, but okay. are there any, is there anything we haven't asked that you just got to tell us about with this series? Cause definitely you're passionate and that is wonderful.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I'm excited about it. I, I'm not sure you, there's something I want to say on my own other than, you know, thank you for your time. I, I really appreciate it. And, If you like David Gemmel, if you like epic fantasy, I mean, this was written with him in mind. A lot of my writing style comes from David Gemmel. When I first started writing, I didn't really know what I was doing. Not that I know everything now, but as you do it more, you know, you tend to say, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. But, you know, and I say this all the time, David, I always knew I wanted to be a writer. David Gemmel kind of showed me the kind of writer I wanted to be. And if you like action and you like political intrigue and you like you know, a little bit of terror, like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Uh, you know, I say, give this book a try. It is. It, if you like the audio books, God's sakes, go for it. What a tremendous audio reader we have. Um, if you just like the, the regular books also, I, I, I've gotten really good reviews on it. I, I can't even tell you how humbling that is to read some of the words that people have written about my, my work. So that's always nice. So I'm not so, sure I have anything else. questions
0: Yes. So, two quick questions in that regard. Um, is this an Amazon exclusive or is it wide?
2: So you can get it on Amazon, it's on Kindle Unlimited. I believe you can get it through, you know, I think you get it, you can order it on Barnes Noble. You can get it on Walmart.com. I think I saw it on there. It's it's in quite a few places. If you just type in the Raven and the Crow, Darkstorm Rivaling, you'll see all the places. Amazon so- is the most prevalent.
0: If you're in Kindle Unlimited, that means the paperback and the audio are probably wide. You can get it
1: through, wide, and the, get it through Barnes & Noble.
0: Yes. Yeah. The ebook as well? I, I think know. you can. Sure.
2: Don't quote me on that, though. I'm not sure.
1: One second.
2: I don't know if it's
1: okay. You can get a hardcover you know, hard hard through you know? Barnes & Noble. Ooh, fancy.
2: Yes. He so I just cover, you know,
0: paper, wanted yeah. people to know where they could find it. No, no, important. I appreciate that. Um, I I love it when I can get question, a book through my Barnes and Noble. So
1: it makes me. I know Doc
0: is really Barnes and Noble is Doc's happy space. So you know we try to to indulge her. Um, it is my happy game. space. <laughs> uh, she actually had to quit her job there because she was paying them so much money she just couldn't afford to keep working there.
2: Oh, is that too many right? books
0: around her? She just <laughs> buy them all. You need to get yeah. a. You need she'd get end a end up with. She'd end up. She'd end up even with the discount, she'd end up owing them more money at the end of the term. She's just like, they oh, do an it.
1: amazing, for the record, they do an amazing discount for their employees. And I had amazing managers when I was working there.
2: Nice.
0: So, okay. So now that we're done making fun of Doc, <laughs> so I was not making of fun of her. Intro- okay. Well, I was. So this is the part of the introduction. <laughs> or introduction. Wow. Uh it's it's late at night, people. It's it's after eleven, okay? Uh when we are recording, not when you're listening. So before we let you go, we'd like to uh hearken back to the olden days, dear listeners, and remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. Uh and it does sound like Michael reads your reviews. So there's a plus you could talk to him in the reviews. Um and you know you could tell him everything he did right and why this is the most glorious book you've ever read. so it's Uh, just how that works um doc are you allowed to review books on Barnes and nobles for people that buy on their website yes you are so you can why do you even ask stupid questions because their website looks like it exists in the 1990s and they've never updated it all right you know what their book selection
1: is updated so that's what counts
0: This is true, but I go to in-person stores because their website just makes my eyes twitch. It's just that bad. But they could do better, and I'm sure maybe someday they will. You're going to go there, Doc. What's going to happen is you're going to walk into the owner of Barnes & Noble's office. You're going to kick the door in, and you're going to say, hey, you, and you're going to use your knife hand, fix your dang website. Can you do that for me, Doc?
1: No. I think there's snow there.
0: Okay. Well, that is not the place you want to go when you die. Uh, I am absolutely convinced the road to hell is paved with snow. So instead (laughs) we're going to bring this puppy to a close. We're going to let Michael Falciani, maybe I got it right this time. Close. That was was good. Perfect. Perfect. Michael, can you tell listeners and readers and viewers how they can find you all over the interwebs in social medias?
2: You can find me at Michael K. Falciani on Facebook. You can find me at Michael K. Falciani on Twitter. You can find me Michael K. Falciani on Instagram. I am also, I do have a website. By the time this airs, it should be up. It is michaelkfalsiani.com And then finally, if you're looking for a laugh, because I don't take myself very seriously on these, you can find me on TikTok as well. I'm oh. probably one of the oldest TikTokers that there is. But I, I don't, take. like I said, I just have fun. I'm like, I'm just going to have fun with this. I don't care if people like it. I did, a, I did a, you know, I like to think they're funny. I did I did a couple this uh, this last day and uh, I mean I'm getting some reviews I, I, I'm getting some views
0: it's not you know I'm not
2: going viral or anything but you know I'm not worried about that I mean I'm not sure I want a bunch of little kids on my page anyway but if you're a book talker you know feel free if you like epic fantasy TikTok is a place I like to hang out as well.
0: Okay, and you can find us over there on the Twitters at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot, underscore fantasy, underscore show. You can email the show at podcast at gmail.com. Again, podcast at gmail.com. Doc will love to say hi to you. She answers all of the emails and schedules all of the guests. If you have anyone that you want to, us to try to reach out to, you can either email the show, dear listener, reach out to us through the Twitters, or you can comment on the Facebook group, our Facebook group where all the shenanigans happen, is the Blasters and Blades Facebook group? Facebook.com backslash groups, backslash a blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups, backslash a blasters and blades podcast. Again, if there's anyone you absolutely want us to reach out to and try to book, we're we're open to your suggestions, dear listener, whether they a new author or an established one, we're game. Uh, and it's, sometimes it's fun to be someone's first interview. So oh we my. have a website at anchored oh Oh my. Every time someone says oh my, I hear it in uh the guy from Star Trek, George. Oh, I can't pronounce George his last the name. guy in all? yes. So we have a website at anchor.fm backslash blasterstack and tack blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters tag blades. At some point in the indefinite future, we will update that to our own proper website, but that will always count and always be a website where you can also support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. You too can help keep the digital lights on in this uh, crazy space where we get nerdy with it. You can also support the show over at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-host Doc Seska and Nick Garber duly Equipped and pizza without pineapples <laughs> on it because such is heresy, and I will not let that stand. So we will give them right, regular like meat lovers pizza, pepperoni pizza, normal people pizza, but none of that weird stuff, people. And normal please, for the love of for the love that is holy, all that is holy, please stop sending me all these heretical pizzas with things like cucumbers and peeps and all this other weird nonsense. I my head is going to explode. Stop it. Don't do it. You know who you are. Enough is enough already. All right. I so, thought you really liked the avocado one. Home. I thought
1: you really <laughs> dig <digged> the avocado <laughs> pizza. Was...
0: Doc, you told people that, and you told people we put peanuts on my pizza, and they're sending me all of the trash that's on the internet with pizza pictures, and I don't know if my brain can recover from such heresy.
1: (laughs) You'll survive. It's okay. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger.
0: That's what my dresser's always told me. It builds character.
1: And they were right! (laughs) So... Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us for Nick Garber, JR Handley. I'm Doc Seska. This was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, indulging our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and of course, torturing JR, because who wouldn't want to torture JR?